This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's OBA with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is like a fish in water. And, oh, on land, she can weave quite an inspiring tale as a master storyteller. And, oh yeah, <laughs> she knows the power of the paw. Please give pause and applause to Lynn Cox, the author of a must-read new book, it's called Tales of Al. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you very much, Arden. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. All right. And hey, Lynn Cox. Yes, listeners, her name is quite familiar. She swam the English Channel as a teenager. She's also swam in the Nile, the Bering Strait, the Cape of Good Hope. And after toweling herself dry, she now pens an adventure-filled book about a Newfoundland dog named Al. Now, we're going to dive right into all about Lynn Cox and this great new book after we take a commercial break. So sit, stay, we'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. Obehave will be right back. Pause up, pet pals. Arden Moore here to talk about the importance of keeping your cats and dogs hydrated. Yes, clean water is great, but not all pets, especially cats, will lap up enough water every day from the bowl. Or maybe your dog is thirsty after a long walk. That's why I'm a big fan of two new isotonic drinks called Kitty Raid and Doggy Raid. And there is a great meal topper to enhance kibble called Yummy Raid. They all contain electrolytes and amino acids plus prebiotics. And they're all veterinary approved. Nice, right? Now, my furry Brady Bunch love them. Find out where you can get your paws on these healthy hydrating drinks, and gravy-like meal topper by visiting DoggyRaid.com. That's D-O-G-G-Y-R-A-D-E.com. Drink up, pets. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is Lynn Cox. She is a record-setting open-water swimmer. She has logged more than 55,000 miles swimming in waters all over the globe. I'm talking the English Channel, the Nile, the Bering Strait, the Cape of Good Hope. I did some laps in my backyard lake in Hermit's Lake in Crown Point, Indiana. What do you think of that? Are you jealous, Lynn? I am. <laughs> but 
She's also quite an accomplished a writer and author. Her works have appeared in the New Yorker, the Los Angeles Times Magazine. She's written a number of books, and she is here today on our show to share the tales of this amazing Newfoundland dog named Al. And this dog has a very, very, very life-saving special skill. It's all chronicled in her book that just came out. Write it down. It's called Tales of Al, the rescue dog, the making of a super athlete. I guess it's time to make a splash, Lynn. I guess so. So let's get going. I mean, you had mentioned before we got on the air that you and your husband, Stephen, see, Stephen's got his name mentioned on the radio. Yay! <laughs> you do a lot of traveling, right? Right, I do. We're gone a lot of the year. So take us to how and where you were. I think you were in Italy when you first laid eyes on this Newfoundland named Al. I was invited to go to Italy to watch the group train at the Italian Water Dog School. And it was at a time when there weren't allowing a huge amount of people to visit. So it was just so much fun because I went there, I had seen on a video, a huge Newfoundland leaping out of a helicopter into a lake. And I just couldn't believe that they could get the Newfoundland into the helicopter and that he or she would want to jump into a lake and then rescue somebody. So I decided I had to go there to find out more because I wondered, you know, is this dog doing this because she or he wants to do it? Or is the dog being forced to do it? And how do you train a dog to do this? Because wouldn't the dog be afraid of heights? Most dogs are. Wouldn't the dog be afraid of loud noise a lot of dogs are yeah helicopters pretty loud yeah yeah so i went to milan with this idea of learning more and the group invited me to watch the train and to see what they did on a daily workout and it was so much fun because there was one huge newfoundland lane mass and she had been the star of the group she had done many rescues and also preventions where she and her owner, who was the head of the school, Ferruccio Palenga, figured out how to notice if somebody was drowning or starting to drown, wow. and they would intercede before there was a problem. Well, and we want to backtrack a little bit. She's talking about, in English, it's called the Italian School of Water Rescue Dogs, S-I-C-S, correct? Right. It's Scuola Italiana Carne Savataggio in Italian. Bravo, bravo. Oh, that's Thank it for my it Italian. Took a lot of practice. Pasta spaghetti. Exactly. But mas means more. Doesn't mas mean more? Mas means more. It also means large. And oh, mas okay. was a female dog and she was massive. And she was the one that basically taught a lot of the other dogs to become water rescue dogs. And that was something that I didn't expect. I just thought, oh my gosh, these instructors and their owners working with the instructors are going to teach the dogs. It's like, no, no, no. That was only part of it. The dogs taught each other. Yeah, I noticed that you put that in your in your book, and that's pretty incredible because tell us the types of dog breeds that are being used in Italy to plop out of, just jump out of helicopters at three meters high into waters to help people who are drowning and having life-threatening issues. You mentioned the Newfoundland. What other breeds were there? So glad you asked. There were Golden Retrievers, German Shepherds, Labradors, and Spinoni Italiano. 
And there were other breeds as well that I didn't get a chance to see at the time that I was there, but the dog has to weigh at least 50 pounds. Okay. And one of the cool things about the Newfoundland, for instance, was that a Newfoundland can pull in six people at a time. The what? other dogs I mentioned can pull in two people at a time. And people have asked, you know, if you've got a lifeguard on the beach, what do you need a dog for? Well, it's because dogs are powerful swimmers and the dogs have their vests on that keep them buoyant. And so if somebody is drowning and they can hold onto the handle on top of the vest, it lifts them up in the water and makes them feel the victim feel more confident and the dog pulls them to shore. Yeah, as a breed, a Newfig is not usually a hyper dog either, are they? No, they are very calm and very gentle. And also, I forgot to mention they have Leonbergers that are also trained to do oh. this because they are big and calm. Yeah, we have a lot of Leonberger listeners, so whew, you were able to put that in and they very much appreciate that, Lynn. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Well, I had never met a Leonberger until I met Donatella Pasquale, who is the vice president of the school. She had one and she had waited years to get the special dog from the special breeder. And he was an amazing water rescue dog as well. His name was Zach. And so it was so interesting to see the interplay of the dogs, to see how they were trained, to see how they responded differently. Sometimes the dogs were really slow to get something and other times a younger dog would learn something faster than an older dog. Well, you've written a number of books and I'm just wondering, what is it about? How many books are you up to now? Seven so far. Sorry. Yeah. And two of them have swimming as their title, right? Right, right. Swimming to Antarctica was my first book. It was about swimming this channel, the Bering Strait and others. There was a open water swimming manual and that was my next book. And then that's, this is Tales of Al. I love it because we are in a double treat listeners because we're not only going to hear about this newfie named Al, but don't you kind of curious about this gal named Lynn Cox? So what we're going to do now, we're going to shift because I want to get back into the story of Al, but I need to get into the story of Lynn and your first chapter. I love the title because it makes me want to sip it. It's called hot chocolate and Beth. And I think it takes place as when you were a kid, and it was your watching your Dalmatian named Beth. And what is something that you guys would do? You had a pond. My grandparents had a camp on a pond in Maine. Okay. And every summer we'd go as a family to visit them. And my parents were all about water safety and making sure that my brother and two sisters and I could swim. Well, we got a Dalmatian named Beth and she was just a puppy. Yeah. So my parents wanted to make sure that she was water safe too. So we would do swimming lessons with her. And the way my parents worked with her was the same way they worked with us, where it was very gentle, very supportive. You hold the dog in the water, let the dog learn how to use its paws and, and do dog paddle and keep its head up. Nice. And then gradually they would release their hold on Beth and she started to feel her own strength. And it was a really gentle way of having the dog swim from my mom to my dad. And it was exactly what they did with us. And so, you know, this was part of my training. It's like riding a tricycle or a bicycle, only you're in water. And all of a sudden you realize mom and dad aren't holding on. Exactly. And so it's really gentle. And there are times where I've heard about people taking their child and I've experienced having to teach children or adults after they've been thrown in or fallen into the water and they're traumatized. Same yeah. thing happens with dogs. Yeah, I just heard from a woman who had a golden retriever and her son decided to throw the golden retriever in the, in the backyard pool. No. Dog doesn't want to get near the water now. I no. mean, it's, it's so bad. It but is. 
just because people think there's an instinct there doesn't mean it'll kick in and doesn't mean that they won't be terrified. And when that happens, either dogs or children or adults will freeze. That's true. But there is a bright spot. And I'm talking, how many spots did you count on Beth's coat? I think it was 326. <laughs> it changed because sometimes the spots blurred together and I wasn't sure. So I can <laughs> see you as a little girl. Okay, hold still, Beth. I got to start <laughs> over again. So exactly. over 300 black spots on this Dalmatian, eh? Yes, exactly. You know, what do you do with your free time? <laughs> you also have something that I have in common. We have both written books. However, we have something that we are going to be kindred spirits on. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. We both hate beef liver and we both had parents. What was the time back in the day where they thought we had to have ugh, liver for iron? I mean, they do make supplements. So uh, you did the same thing I did with my beagle mix named crackers. What did you do? Oh, I would slip the pieces of the liver under the table to Beth. And she absolutely loved it. And she just knew not to make a lot of noise with her with her, with her little tags. <laughs> no lip smacking. We're going to get busted by mom and dad, right? Exactly. I don't know what it was. You know, a lot of kids had to do that. I don't get it. But so are you do you feel like a kindred spirit now with me? I do. I do. Your dog saved you and my dog saved me. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, in the water, you said you mentioned your grandparents had the pond in Maine, but how did you go from, oh, this is fun doing, watching my dog do the dog paddle with me in a water to let me go swim the English Channel at age 15. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> well, I was really very lucky because I had so supportive parents. My parents decided that there weren't a lot of opportunities for us to swim in New Hampshire. So they yeah. moved us <laughs> yeah. to California. Oh. And because then we could swim rear round and we moved to California to train with the US Olympic coach. And he was incredible. He is still a man named Don Gamble who coached four Olympic teams. Nice. So we started training with that team. Well, I mean, what did they see in you that said, our daughter's pretty gifted in the water? I think they just saw this natural ability to swim and enjoy it. And my folks weren't pushy. They were just supportive. So, you know, when I was nine years old, there was a mother on the swim team who saw me swimming on a rainy day and everyone else had gotten out of the pool, but I was still swimming. So she said, Mrs. Milligan, said, one day you're going to swim across the English Channel. And at that time, I thought, you know, I was nine years old. I didn't even know where it was. So I went home and looked it up on a map and found the English Channel and decided, well, maybe I could do that. So are you cursing or thanking her? I was thanking her because it was so much fun to be out in the wild pool during a storm. And I thought this might be like the waves in the ocean. And it would be fun to not have to go back and forth. It would be really great to be able to swim from one place to the other and finish instead of having to turn around and go back again. Well, growing up, I grew up at Hermit's Lake in Crown Point, Indiana, which was a man-made lake. It was not deep enough to have motorboats. So we just had canoes and sailboats. And we had the Hermit's Lake swim team. So we were yeah. the only swim team in our area that didn't have a pool. So we would kind of psych out our competition by saying, yeah, I didn't see uh, any uh, muskrats today. Did you? No, I didn't see any muskrats in the water today. Well, maybe, oh, they haven't been here for a while. <laughs> so we seem to always win the home 
Oh, mate. Oh, that's so smart. And you you were at the beginning of open water swimming way back before. But I know, didn't know where were... the English Channel was. <laughs> hey, everybody, we're speaking with author and world record open water swimmer, Lynn Cox. She has a new book out. I really hope you get your paws on it. It's called The Tales of Al. We're going to learn more about Lynn and the Newfoundland named Al after we take this commercial break. So you know the drill. Sit, stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Itch, scratch, rub, chew, repeat. Does that sound like what's happening to your pet? Help is here. Zymox skin and ear care products can help calm and soothe your pet's angry skin or red infected ears. For over 20 years, Zymox products have been helping pets find relief for these conditions. For that itchy pet, Zymox shampoo and leave-on conditioner combines a special blend of ingredients that moisturize, hydrate, and provide soothing relief. For those hard-to-treat areas like body folds or the paws, easy-to-use Zymox topical cream and spray are great options. And for those nasty ears, Zymox ear solution is amazing. And you don't even have to pre-clean the painful ear. No pre-cleaning? Hooray! All Zymox skin and ear products get their effectiveness from enzymes. Zymox contains no antibiotics and no petroleum byproducts, just the soothing power of enzymes. Zymox can be found at your veterinary clinic, most specialty stores for pets, and online. And you can save 20% off any Zymox or Oratine products on Zymox.com. Just enter the code ARDEN20 at checkout. That's ARDEN20. Visit Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X.com. Pause up. Every pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A Pet.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Mandy Moore, and you're listening to Behave on Pet Life Radio with your host, Arden Moore, who's now family. We figured that out. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm having a swimmingly good time with you, Lynn. And I just, I mean, to swim the English Channel at age, did you do it twice before you were 16? Tell me, I'm trying to make no, sure I got I my did facts it. right. I swam the English Channel was 15 and broke the world record for men and women. And then Davis Hart from Springfield, Mass. broke my time. So I went back. I have it. it encouraged me to keep going. So I went back the next year and broke his time. And then, you know, realized there are things that have never been done before that it's time to try those. Well, let me just ask, how long, what was your time to swim the English Channel? 
The first time was nine hours and 57 minutes. The second time was nine hours and 36 minutes. And how long is it? You know, back then, it, it's 21 miles in a straight line. But back then, they used radar for navigation. So the first time I swam, and I swam 30 miles. The <laughs> second time I swam, and I swam 33 miles. Oh, great. Yeah, nowadays, when you swim it, you use GPS. And so you swim around 21, 22, or three, 23 miles. So I'm an ex-sports writer. I'm doing the stats. You took shorter amount of time to swim a longer distance on the second and still set a record. Did I get that all right? You sure did. You wow. listen really well. What? Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> you're so good. So you go from there and you're like, oh, let me spin the globe. Where do I want to go next? So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about some of the places that you have been. The Nile, that sounds pretty exotic. And I would assume the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa is pretty awesome. The Cape of Good Hope was absolutely beautiful. It was extremely frightening, though, because there were cliffs that you had to walk down that were very steep to get down to the beach. And okay. as I was walking down, I was told by the crew that was with me that were special forces guys that there were puff adders and cobras and not to grab oh, the bushes because you could get bitten. So that sort of made me a little scared. And then yeah. when we get down to yeah, and then we get down to the beach and the waves were up to 25 feet high. So going out through surf like that was also intimidating. And then there were sharks in the water. So, so oh, well, yeah, yeah, let's talk about sharks in the water. Hey, lady <laughs> from California, what are you doing in my backyard? Exactly. How do you deal with that? How Seriously, how do you deal with sharks? Well, we had the group of, of men who were spotters who were professional divers but also okay. worked for the cape town police department okay and they took turns being in the water with me with a spear gun okay and good 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 they would good. be hanging on to a rope watching the water and then to the right of me was a zodiac boat with the other part of the crew and they were watching the water too and about 400 meters from finishing the swim a bronze whaler shark about 12 feet long came up out of the water for me and Doug, who was beside me, had to shoot the shark in the dorsal fin. And the shark turned and pulled the, the spear gun spear out of its fin and swam off. And I didn't know about this until I finished the swim. All I noticed that was Doug was gone and the crew was telling me to swim with the Zodiac to shore. So I got to shore and uh, Doug started straightening out the spear gun. And I asked him what happened. And he explained. And I said, well, was the shark all right? And he started laughing. And he said, yes, the shark would be okay because he just hit it in the dorsal fin. But the concern was that the area at that time was extremely sharky, lots of great whites. And so they were afraid the blood in the water would attract other sharks. Oh, so my no. crew had been, in, my crew was telling me to swim faster, but I knew that I needed to do that. It was yeah. sort of instinct. Adrenaline is a wonderful thing, especially when there's <laughs> sharks in the water, right, Lynn? Right, right. Oh, it does make God. you sprint. You're very brave. You're very brave. So how did you come on land and say, well, I'm pretty good in the water, but I need to be pretty good making a living and get into the field of writing? Actually, I always wanted to be an author. I was an avid reader as a kid. It was, you know, just what I did in summertime. And, and I love cool. reading everything. Well, I really love reading mysteries and thrillers and nature. You know, those were things that really captivated me. So it became my goal when I was in college to become a writer. In fact, I took a seminar and wrote the first version of Swimming to Antarctica over a nine-week period. Nice. But it only took 21 years to get it published. 
<laughs> hey, and hey everybody, Lincox is very persistent. That's pretty, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. 21 years, but it became a New York Times bestseller. Well, so there. it was, yeah, but, and it's still selling. So that is really wonderful because it was such a long process and people are still reading it and getting a lot out of it. And that's, you know says, what? I'm like, going to get the book now. It's swimming okay. in Antarctica, right? Swimming to Antarctica. Swimming yeah. to get that preposition right. Okay. Swimming to Antarctica. Oh my gosh. That's pretty cool. Lynn, I know you don't really know me, but I feel so comfortable with you. I hope everything's going swimmingly so far in the show, huh? It has been going great. And it's so much fun talking with you. What's your swimming regiment now? When I'm not on a book tour going to 44 different events. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, I am swimming in the ocean in the early morning for an hour, hour and a half in the summertime, sometimes up to two hours. But when I was writing my book, the new book, Al, I would wake up at three in the morning because I was so excited about writing it and just full of ideas. And I'd sit down for three or four hours. And then after that, I'd go out for my swim Good. and then come back and edit what I'd written. And then the next day, do the same thing. And it was really such a fun book to write. You know, it, it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> no, no. But let's talk about the writing process because I'm in a backyard office called Ard's Den and I feel this energy here. And during COVID, I wrote four books. Oh my gosh. I know. I have very strong typing fingers. And I think part of it is it's quiet back here and I have my pet posse. I have uh, my cats, Casey and Rusty and my dogs, Kona and Emma, and they're all in here. And it's kind of at peace. It's I've never had that feeling. And I was a newspaper reporter on deadline for 20 years. So this is my go-to. I'm asking you, what is it about swimming or being in the water that maybe clears your head or helps focus you with the next plot line or whatever you're writing? How does that, how does swimming help you be a better author? You said it exactly. It clears your head. You get out and you're, and when you're swimming, it's almost like doing yoga because your yeah. breath is very rhythmic and it's very controlled and it's very freeing. And as you're swimming, you can get into a certain pace and just start thinking. And so for me, it's my time where I'm really creating, where I'm thinking about, okay, I just wrote that. Now, where do I want to go with the story? And what's important to pull in here now? And what am I trying to say through this story? Because I really think that my books are about doing something positive in the world being inspirational yeah. and finding connections among people and among dogs and animals. So those are the things I, I write about and I find, find joy in talking about. And then the people I meet who are the readers share their stories about their experiences yeah. with dogs and cats and their lives. And it's really extraordinary. And we're going to repeat it more than once, but I want you all to dash off to her website, lynncox.com. And that's L-Y-N-N-E and then cox.com. But you, Donatella, from what I understand, it was the VP at this Italian uh, dog rescue school. And she introduced you at the time to a brown coated Newfoundland named, it's a long name, I just call him Al. What's the, what's the fancy Italian name? Oh, you know, I only knew her as Al as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So tell me, you said in here, you said eyes gold and bright and filled with intelligence. Boy, I can see her. 
she was such a sweet dog. She had this connection to people and to other dogs. In fact, Donatella has had a Leonberger named Zach, and we had just come back from somewhere, and Zach had been injured and couldn't walk anymore. So the first thing that Al did was come in and lay down beside him and put her head on his paw. Wow. So you saw this just connection and caring. So she had that side, but she also was a rambunctious two-year-old who was really headstrong. Okay. And she was a large dog. I mean, Newfoundlands are big, but she was really big. You said she was larger than a bear cub at age one. Is that right? She was, well, when I saw her, it was around age two. And she was, I, I'd say probably a hundred and 110, 120 pounds. And she looked really bigger because her long fur coat. Yeah. And that's what was also so interesting to me because I'd never seen a brown Newfoundland before, you know, and yeah. it was, it was, yeah. And also I never, you know, realized that they have this amazing undercoat that keeps them warm and repels water. And then the exterior coat that adds as an insulator. But they can't get mats, right? That's danger, danger. They can't. And that's the other thing. When people own a Newfoundland, you are into grooming. You are into, you are into brushing your dog a yeah. lot. You yeah. know, but but also they're they're shedding constantly. I had a yellow Labrador and he would rain fur every day. And so every day I was vacuuming or sweeping. Same thing, but more with the Newfoundlands. They also learned that they blow coat where yeah. in fall and the spring, they just shed like clumps of hair. So if you're thinking about a Newfoundland, you really have to think about, you know, do I want a dog that is a lot of maintenance, but the dog's a lot of love, you know? So Al, there was other dogs there, other, what was it about Al that made you say, Al is going to be the focus of my next book? I think it was because I had been introduced to Donatella and she's vice president of the Italian Water Rescue Dog School. And she was really trying to help Al become an elite dog, an elite water rescue dog. And, she, and Al was not responding the way Donatella Well, come on, think about when you're young and you're a Newfoundland, your brain yeah, exactly. is like, what? Yeah, <laughs> your exactly. Body's going she was... That was it. Her body was growing and her brain was other places and she was distracted by almost everything. So here you are, vice president of the school who's instructed trainers and you've instructed owners and you have this dog you can't teach. And so it was frustrating for her, but you know, she was a dog whisperer and she was patient and she really believed that there was potential in Al. And so there are a series of tests that the water rescue dogs have to do to become qualified water rescue dogs. And so there was this moment where Al is building up to take this test. And there's this critical point where we wonder, is she gonna make it or not? And, and that'll determine if the dog has to go back and train for another six months or a year and maybe take the test again, or if wow. the dog's really not gonna get it. And I didn't realize this, that there are Newfoundlands that are not water dogs that yeah. don't wanna be in the water, that don't care about it. And thing though, was that Al loved the water. She just didn't get what she was supposed to do in it. But now tell us, because you got to see her in action in her younger years, what impressed you? Her jumping out of a helicopter or hauling in people that are having trouble in a water? Well, when I met Al, she was just learning to become a water rescue dog. She was not the elite water rescue dog like Moss was. She didn't at that point leave out of helicopters. And she didn't go off Coast Guard boats. And the thing is that 
the dogs are trained to start from jumping off a dock and then off a Zodiac boat and then then off the bow of a Coast Guard, Italian Coast Guard boat. And then they'll jump off the helicopter that's lowered to about right. 10 feet or eight feet off the water. So it's a progressive thing. And so okay. the dogs build up confidence. The owners build up confidence because they're leaping after the dog into the water as well. And if you land wrong, it really hurts. So there's this, you know, working these things out. They don't just do it all at once. So at the time I saw Al, she was just starting out and she was not a star. No, but you have kept in touch with Donatella. And I think at the epilogue, I'm not going to spoil it because I want you everybody to buy your book, Tale of Al. But by 11, what was Al like? Al has become an elite water rescue dog. Yay! She is a star and Again. she's gone on to do search and rescues as well. And Donatella said she wished she'd started earlier with her because she has an amazing nose and she would have been a great truffle hunter. Oh, truffles, truffles. That that exactly. would make some, uh, put some money in your bank account. Well, I think maybe, but I think that Donatella enjoys truffles. Okay. Well, you gave a great analogy about this power of smell. And I'm a master instructor in pet first aid. I've been doing it for a dozen years. And I tap into this, the powerful sense of smell that a dog can have, which is very good in search and rescue. So in your book, I'm going to tee up and I hope you know the answer. I said, you said that, you know, some of us might be able to detect a teaspoon of sugar in a cup of coffee. But what can a dog do with smell? A teaspoon of sugar in what source? An Olympic-sized pool. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. It is absolutely amazing. That means we can't sneak those uh, Cheetos in our upstairs bedroom while the dog's snoozing on the couch, right? They're going to smell it. They will absolutely smell it. In fact, I, when I had my yellow lab, Cody, he would go smell the tires of my car to tell where he, I'd gone without him. Woo! Busted! <laughs> busted! Exactly. It was amazing. So any parting message you want to give about this book and about the fact that there are some amazing dog search and rescue popping out of helicopters in places like Italy and beyond? I just thought it was so important to write about people that were doing extraordinary things with their dogs, that they were giving up themselves of their time and patrolling the beaches in Italy and also going sometimes to Germany and Switzerland. And I just thought that was really fantastic. I think the key thing about the book is it's really about love and patience and courage. And I think that that's and something faith. that I wanted and faith that that things would develop in certain ways and giving that space and time to happen. So everybody, we've been speaking with best-selling author and record-setting open water swimmer. I got it right this time, Lynn Cox. I really want you to go to her website, lynncox.com, L-Y-N-N-E-C-O-X.com. And I really think you need to get your paws on a copy of her latest book, the Tale of Al. And it's called Tales of Al, colon, The Res Water Rescue Dog, colon, The Making of a Super Athlete. This dog got two subheads. She did, and she really deserved it. <laughs> well, I wish you much good times, safety, health on your book tour. And I really hope that we can meet sometime in person. I am not challenging you to uh, a lap in a pool. That's great. I would love to meet you. Go for a swim and see all your pets. That would be so much fun. 
All right, everybody. We've had a great time with author Lynn Cox. I want you all to check out her website, lynncox.com. Get the book, Tales of Al. And I also want at this time to do a shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. I call him the surgeon of sound because he is. He is the one that created the largest pet radio network on the planet. And I've humbly been on this, uh, hosting this since 2007, making this the longest running pet podcast on the planet. Hey, I didn't pop a pee this time, Mark. Getting better, took 15 years. And I hope you go to ardenmore.com and find out what I'm all up to. So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.